Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voice of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus, and we have an awesome show for you tonight. Uh, Before we start, I'd like to announce that a week from tomorrow, the Borough of Tenafly is having its community night, and I will be there representing the Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign, uh, the Access for All Committee, and uh, several other healthy initiatives. Jerry Hocheck, the publisher of Natural Awakenings Magazine, will be there, and I will be demonstrating some basic Charles Atlas exercises, which uh, require no weights and very little equipment. I think a chair is basically all you need to complete the course. Um, so tomorrow, no, Wednesday, we'll be having a program uh, focusing on the community night and the benefits it brings to the community. But for now, without further ado, we welcome... Our guest, Michael Del Russi of Bold Spirits and Holistic Concepts. Greetings and welcome, Michael. How are you? Good evening, Hercules. It's great to be with you and the family once again. Uh, the same here. How are you today? Doing pretty well, thank you. Uh, I ordered your book today the, uh, on the Ashtar, uh, oh. Ashtar Command, I believe it is. I don't know if I have the title right, but it's the oh, latest yeah, Yes, and I'm looking forward to getting it. Thank you very much. There is a lot of material about me and what I do in there. However, uh, my exposure to the Ashtar Command has been very minimal. Uh, um, Originally, the book's uh, concept was a reissue and expansion of a uh, channeled uh, book called Space God Speak. Um, but it evolved and it became an Ashtar Command uh, book. So uh, I'm trying to remedy that now. One of the uh, people in the book, uh, Mr. Brinkerhoff, I interviewed him uh, last week. Uh, He Mm -hmm. seems very knowledgeable, so I'm catching up on the Ashtar Command. So uh, hopefully uh, by the next book, I'll be more informed on it. I I believe it or not, I went through my library and I actually have a copy of Space God Speak. Oh, and really? I just started, yeah, I just started reading a few pages of it. 
So uh, uh, I'm looking forward to getting this latest book. And I, too, am just beginning to familiarize myself with the whole Ashtar uh, field of Ashtar uh, um, studies and what have you. I know that a woman by the name of Tula, T-U-L-L-A. Mm-hmm. Do I have that right? A Tuella. Tuella. Okay, thank you. Right. She was one of the cha- early channels, was she not, of the uh, Ashtar gods, if you will? Yes, out in uh, California. Uh, yes, she mm-hmm. was. Yes. Uh, I have some of those early books, which I have not completed, but and I think she passed on. Uh, so yes, I know right. there's others since then. But um, uh, there's been some breaking news since last we spoke on the subject about aspirin as a cancer fighter. And, uh, you know, I I firmly believe here that, you know, divine consciousness has gifted the earth with a landscape of healing substances. And I think it's the wisdom of the hemisphere's creative and linear mind integrated uh, that will lead us on the journey of healing and ongoing discovery in these areas. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. uh, uh, Natural medicine has been creeping into the conventional area, the allopathic areas of yeah. uh, healing, if you will. But we still have a long, long way to go, at least in America, uh, because there's so many physicians out there that are really not too familiar with uh, natural healing modalities. We've certainly made some progress. So we're hoping, and I know it's my calling, uh, some of the physicians I've counseled with, to try to do in my own small way to help to change all of that. So uh, in, uh, also, I mean, the, the, the large concern this week in some of the medical journals has been that of systemic inflammation. And that seems to be recognized as the major cause of most chronic diseases. Uh, how do we go about uh, curbing it? What causes it? And uh, this uh, breaking news from M- MD Cancer Center at Anderson Cancer Center. Uh, there's been several studies that low dose aspirin, 80, 81 milligrams specifically, seems to curb the growth of colon cancer, prostate cancer, breast cancer has seemed to respond in terms of its return of metastasis up to 60%. So, this is some exciting news about aspirin. I've been following uh, the studies for, I'd say, the past year. And uh, I think, it, it again, uh, the reason for this, obviously, is its effect on inflammation. So uh, it's exciting uh, research that's being done. That is very exciting and very uh, promising because uh, a lot of modern people are plagued uh, uh, with these type of uh, uh, systemic diseases. And if there's relief in sight uh, uh, or even a, a hopeful avenue worthy of exploration, that is phenomenal news. Well, it is, especially, you know, uh, uh, we'll never rid our bodies from inflammation completely. You know, just even breathing, <laughs> breathing causes, heavy breathing causes free radical activity. So, you know, the, the reality is we'll never be free of inflammation, but uh, the gods has provided us with some natural remedies and channels to these natural remedies. And all we have to do is journey through and seek them out. And uh, systemic inflammation, some of the causes, of course, dietary, from a dietary standpoint, are uh, saturated fats, sugary uh, snacks, uh, starchy carbs, alcohol, smoking, uh, toxic substances. 
And some of the natural remedies that we can discuss is boswella, turmeric, fish oil. And as far as diet, and diet is always a controversy, uh, a vegan diet, mostly vegan diet, seems to reduce inflammation. Uh, Something of notice, too, is when it comes to blood tests, to see just what's going on in terms of inflammation in the body, a C-reactive protein is a good test, and also the SED rate. SED rate usually checks, uh, gives you a good measuring stick, if you will, of just what's going on inflammation-wise in the body. So uh, also the enzymes that are involved might be uh, are the COX-2 enzymes. And uh, COX-2 inhibitor drugs years ago, which were actually drugs to treat arthritis, and what the researchers discovered was they slowed and even stopped the progression of certain cancers. The problem with those drugs, however, were they seemed to cause uh, heart issues. So that's why I know there's people even today as we speak, there's many individuals, patients that are on COX-2 inhibiting drugs, but they need to just be wary of the fact that there may be some uh, side effects worth noting on those. So, uh, you know, uh, it all ties together. Uh, oxidative stress and free radical activity really go hand in hand in the body. So, uh, you know, uh, what can we do to curb these curb these conditions? Well, we know that uh, free, uh, free radicals are an imbalance of molecules basically in the body. Uh, free radicals uh, tend to steal molecules and it causes an imbalance. And antioxidants, what they seem to do is prevent prevent this from happening. Uh, oxidative stress is uh, the latest studies find uh, indicate that is uh, contributes to chronic diseases like diabetes, heart disease, and cancer. So if we can if we can curb oxidative stress and free radical activity, we can reduce the level of of um, inflammation in the body. So it's a dietary solution primarily. Are there any other ways we could reduce uh, the stress and uh, uh, not find ourselves uh, in those conditions? Well, diet diet plays a large role. Diet definitely plays a large role. At least that's what the studies are showing. And uh, we have the, the major diet, major four diets, I would say, that are being adhered to by the public at large right now. Of course, we have the Atkins diet. The Sears diet remains very popular. Uh, there's the Paleolithic diet, or which is very similar to the keto diet. And we have the Dean Ornish diet. And uh, along with the uh, Dean Ornish diet, you can put the Mediterranean diet in that because the two are very similar. So, you know, with the uh, Atkins diet, we know that carbs are the culprit behind obesity and uh, not fat, according to Dr. Atkins. And the premise is that if you reduce, keep the carb, carbs low, the body will burn fat instead of sugar, and therefore you will lose the weight. And uh, many people do. The uh, yeah. pros to that, it is good for quick weight loss, and uh, the fatty meals leave dieters fairly satisfied for a short period of time. The cons to that diet is the saturated fat definitely increases the risk of heart disease. And also, by cutting out produce, uh, you're depriving the body of vitamin, mineral, minerals, and very valuable enzymes. 
So, you know, again, the Atkins diet has its pros and its cons. Uh, the the Sears diet is pretty much the same. It's based. It's more or less based on more of a balanced consumption of macronutrients, mm-hmm. a 30% protein, 30% fat, 40% carbohydrates. And he feels by that, by eating along the lines of that balance, uh, the it will keep the insulin levels low. The fat levels will be more or less in acceptable range. Uh, the pros to that is it encourages the eating of lean protein sources that are low in saturated fat. The cons, however, is that a strict balance of food groups makes it tough to figure out proportions, and a lot mm-hmm. of people just can't stick with that. Uh, then we can go to the Paleolithic diet or pretty much the keto diet. And uh, that is a diet that is high in lean protein, obviously, and some fatty proteins as well, low in carbs. And the, the theory, of course, is that's the way primitive man ate, and primitive man, <laughs> primitive man was not plagued by some of the diseases that we are today. Right. The, kind, the, the pros on that are that it shuns processed cereals, that have been leached of nutritional value. The cons, however, are that they're very shy in grains and grain-rich diets are traditional in cultures like Japan, Greece, some of the Mediterranean, Italy, where the rates of some of these diseases tend to be much lower than in this country and the Scandinavian countries that are very high in fat consumption. So these are some of the main diets that uh, are being followed now. Uh, and then, of course, last but not least, is the Dean Ornish diet. That's a largely vegetarian diet with only 10% of its calories coming from fat. It's a high-fiber plant that favors vegetables, beans, whole grains, fruit, and uh, which can be eaten until you feel full. Uh, low-fat dairy is also encouraged. He does encourage uh, the consumption of egg whites. And uh, that's a diet that uh, is uh, the pros of it is that it's very low fat and has been shown to reverse heart disease. In fact, I remember some years ago, many years ago, I think over 10 years ago, 60 Minutes ran a full hour on what he, his father at that time, was doing in, in their farm at New York State, actually reversing arteriosclerosis, the wow. hard plaque. The hard plaque buildup that most of, uh, uh, traditional uh, cardiologists agree cannot be done. They say it cannot be done. You can prove, you can lower your cholesterol, but the plaque that's already there is already there, the hard plaque. And uh, they reach, they approved through a lower, very low fat diet, exercise, stress management, that they actually reduced significantly the hard plaque in the arteries. That's amazing. Yeah. And, in fact, he has a new book out called Undo It. It's brand new, brand spanking new for those who are interested in the Dean Ornish diet. That's the diet that I adhere to. That's the diet that I support. It's a little difficult to follow, but uh, it's certainly worthwhile in light of the disease-reversing potential of that diet. And you do get your protein. You do. He does encourage uh, very low-fat uh, protein foods. He encourages an unlimited use of egg whites. And, of course, he, he believes in keeping the white starch low. It's not that he's encouraging the consumption of uh, 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 simple sugars. But carbs, complex carbs, which we know are, are the mainstay, 
of most of your cultures that have very low incidence of cancer and heart disease. And they're complex carbs. And, of course, what are they? They're fruits and vegetables, fibers. Uh, so that's the diet I feel of all of them. That's the diet I th- think that has the most potential in terms of fighting this and preventing disease. Is, you said that this is easy to follow or it, it's uh, challenging? Well, it depends on your spirit of dedication. I think okay. once yeah, I think once you adhere to the diet, I think it's easy to follow because you will lose weight. You will lose weight, uh, very low in fat. And once you see the numbers, especially if you're suffering from high cholesterol, high triglycerides, high glucose numbers, once you see these numbers begin to come down, that would motivate uh, motivate most adherents, if you will, to stick with the diet. But it's 10% fat. It's only 10% fat daily. Uh, I think it's very doable. Uh, you know, beans can easily take a bean diet if you if you as long as your intestines are healthy can easily take the place of mo- most meat products. Uh, some uh-huh. soy products are are can easily take the place of most meats and uh, uh, high meat diets. So it is very doable once you commit yourself to it. So of all of the diets, I think that's been the diet. I think it, I it's the only one I know of that has been actually proven to reverse arteriosclerosis. It's the only one I know of. Uh, So he's proven without a shadow of a doubt, and some of the uh, uh, carb haters and the naysayers, uh, they can't deny the evidence that he's produced uh, in terms of reversing heart disease. Wow, that has a lot going for it. Uh, it's. Uh, I looked it up on Amazon. It's uh, ten ninety eight. Can't go wrong with that. If you have Prime, it's free shipping. Well, I, I I encourage everyone. Uh, you know, of course. You know, it's interesting within the holistic community. Of course, there's there's this ongoing battle, and I'm I've been upset. <laughs> I've been upset lately, lately lately because there's some in the holistic community, holistic physicians. I'm talking about nat- doctors of natural medicine that are encouraging higher-fat diets. They're claiming that the new science, quote-unquote, is indicating that fats aren't so terrible, and even saturated fats may be okay. But the studies of over 40 years, including the most famous of which is the Farmingham study, which is ongoing like for over 40 years, have proven conclusively that high-fat diets are not the way to go. And I always tell people, you know, for me, when I counsel people, I always leave it to their divine spirit, their divine consciousness right. to lead them the way they, they, they're going to go. But I simply share what my experiences have been over 25 years of counseling. And uh, the, the, there's no evidence that diets high in these kinds of fats will extend, will extend longevity or prevent any disease. And we know that studies have shown that diets higher in saturated fat may be responsible for incidence of breast cancer, prostate cancer, and colon cancer. So these proponents of high-fat diets, I have found, are just not getting it. Because even if you do initially lose weight, like on the Atkins diet, for example, even if you did initially lose weight, there are other dangers and most of the time, eventually down the road, there's a risk of some type of cardiovascular event or disease. 
So, uh, and as I said to one, a holistic doctor I recently debated, he has a large center in New York. And I, in fact, I used to be a fan of his, but I'm no uh-huh. longer a fan. Uh, these are overweight youth that you see coming out of Wendy's and McDonald's and Burger King. They're not gaining all that weight on hamburger rolls. <laughs> They're just not. I mean, and that's the bottom line. So, you know, uh, so I would encourage everyone to study the varying types of diets and the spirits will lead them where they will. But for based on what I'm seeing on ongoing research, um, the, if you could lean more toward a Mediterranean diet or the Dr. Dean Ornish diet or the DASH diet, which the American Heart Association strongly recommends, which also is, is similar to the Mediterranean diet. Those three diets are the healthiest diets, in my opinion. So uh, I would encourage all who are listening to the program and all who are interested in longevity to just take a careful look at some of these uh, high-keto and high-fat diets before they dive in. Take a closer look at what the long-term studies have revealed. And how, what is, how is the DASH diet uh... Uh, the DASH diet is, it was, uh, is, uh, has, was introduced by the American Heart Association initially for high blood pressure, to reduce okay. high blood pressure. And it's very much, very similar to the Mediterranean diet. Fairly low in saturated fat. It, it puts an emphasis on complex carbohydrates uh, and, and healthy fats. And it's a very good diet. I like it and I would recommend it. Well, you've given me uh, a lot to think about and a lot to experiment with. I'll be busy for the next couple of months uh, with these diets. Uh, um, I did very well on the uh, Atkins-type diets, uh, the Mm protein-powered diet, the paleo diet, uh, the keto diet. Experiment with They're all very similar in their their basic concepts, although they have uh, uh, slightly different uh, ways of approaching it. Uh, and when I was first diagnosed with uh, diabetes, I managed to get my diabetes under control, my blood fats under control uh, by basically eating a lot of fatty meat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked for a while, but then it, it mm-hmm. stopped uh, working. And now I don't find meat, although I still like meat, I don't find meat as appealing mm-hmm. as I once uh, found it. Uh, and uh, I've been craving like grilled vegetables uh, more. Um, so, uh, uh, because the diet's no longer working for me, I need to find another diet. And I've been playing with the Mediterranean diet a little bit. Um, and, uh, uh, these sound like excellent variations. I might find one in them to, uh, allow me to make a lifestyle change. Well, I'm just wondering if, uh, do you like fish? Yes, I like fish. I have concerns with uh, fish, though, because of in the Pacific, you have the uranium from uh, Japan that's uh, right. been uh, polluting the waters. And then in mm-hmm. uh, the Atlantic, you have all those chemicals uh, uh, that they've uh, pumped into the waters from the, uh, um, the gas spills. And right. Now- I've, heard, I've heard about <laughs> I have heard about that. Yes. Well, the thing one- is, you know, uh, again. It's where your spirit is going to lead you, your on, our ongoing growth and our, our ongoing evolution, if you will. And, and we're always learning and we're practicing and we're studying and we're testing. Uh, and again, my ministry is called to simply introduce the concepts. And of course, I interject my own subjective opinions based on what I've learned and from counseling and my own health 
over a period of, I guess it's 30 years now, well, since the late 70s. But uh, what we really want to try to do is avoid oxidative stress and chronic inflammation. And because that seems to be uh, more and more, the studies are revealing that the cause of most chronic diseases. So how do we do it? Well, it appears that diets high in white starch, simple carbohydrates, and high in saturated fat are the main cause of chronic inflammation. So I would advise anyone, again, if you're going to eat meat, if you're going to continue to eat meat, try to minimize it. Try to eat lean meats. Uh, Try to lean more as you go to a a, a fish diet. And, and of course, we're never going to avoid toxins completely. You know, and many times it's a trade-off. And many times it is a trade-off. I would say eat uh, uh, tuna probably, and tuna is high in mercury. But uh, if you can eat farm, uh, uh, the farm-raised um, uh, salmon as opposed to the, the salmon that are raised in these uh, bins and, and, and artificial containers, if you will, uh, uh, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd be, you'd be uh, uh, more, uh, uh, it'd be a wiser choice be a wiser choice. Those salmon that are raised in the wild uh, is preferable. So, I mean, if you can lean more towards a fish-dominant uh, diet over the beef, I think that would be preferable in terms of curbing oxidative stress because we know now that that seems to be a major culprit in the body, inflammation, even in terms of sports. Uh, athletes who have have had high inflammation in their bodies don't perform as well. And again, right. and then of course there's also the uh, the um the problem of high uric acid. The more beef and what have you that you consume, your uric acid le- levels go up which also contributes to inflammation. So I mean when you go over all of the studies and all of the possibilities, it appears at least uh on uh, from where I'm looking uh, that a diet more that means more toward vegetables, fruits, complex carbohydrates, high fibers, and less than some of the fatty meats and uh, the beef, the pork, are healthier diets and healthier way to go. Wow, thank you so very much. Uh, I have before me your uh, book mm-hmm. on folks for holistic concepts, Creative Health Manual, Age-Proofing the Skin and Body, Applying Anti-Aging Research for Creating Beautiful mm-hmm. Skin and a Healthier Body. And I've been playing with this uh, since I received it. Um, mm-hmm. Can you share with folks how they can get a copy of this book? Yes, they can send a check of money order for only $3 uh, wow. to Mike, Michael Del Rossi, and that would be Box 129 in Caldwell, New Jersey, the zip is 0706. And with that, completely free of charge, will come my Wisdom of the Hemispheres chart, laminated chart, and eight and a half by eleven, explaining the differences in the bicameral mind, uh, left brain and right brain, and all how each hemisphere of the brain thinks. And I think that would be a wonderful uh, tool in, a, 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 in t- terms of expanding consciousness. And letting us uh, know what it, what it's really all about in terms of how we deal with our thinking and how we can shift from one hemisphere to another to make better decisions in our lives. I'm excited about, as I know you have been, I'm excited about the bicameral concepts, and I think this chart would be a lot of fun. 
for people's own. So anyone who orders my uh, uh, wellness program will get also a free laminated chart uh, and to come along with the package. And uh, it is uh, very easy to understand and to apply. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, quite a bargain. Uh, you can't top the, the price, uh, certainly. Uh, and you have decades worth of your own experience distilled in those uh, uh, pages. And they're laminated. So if you're uh, reading uh, at breakfast and you spilled something on it, you can just wipe it uh, <laughs> right off. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, going to be starting several new adventures together in the very near future. One is in the areas of the bicameral mind, uh, because mm-hmm. ancient people believed that uh, uh, bicamerality was the vehicle through which the gods communicated with them. Uh, so uh, that is so has fascinated me. Uh, and retro science fiction and UFOs. So I'll be inviting you in a lot more shows in the next couple of months so we can start uh, the dialogue going on those. Uh, thank you so very much, Michael. Have an awesome day. Thank you, Hercules, and thank you for having me. And thank you for being here. We're going to listen to Bone Poets Orchestra's Cry Freedom, and then we'll be back with Ryan Foley and Fury and Strength.
ever-expanding universe Trust that brain behind your eyes To carve a space for us within the universal mind And if it's up to us to bring some balance back Let it not be said, it's courage that we Hercules Invictus. This is Voice of Olympus and Mythic Fitness continues. Uh, just a reminder, a week from tomorrow, uh, Tenafly, our borough here in northern New Jersey, is having its uh, community night. And I will be there representing the Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign and the Access for All Committee. Uh, I'll be giving some brief uh, demonstrations of Charles Atlas exercises, uh, Jerry Hoche from uh, Natural Awakenings Magazine will be there. Um, some of our councilmen will be there and uh, many other people. So uh, if you're in the area, please drop by. Without further ado now, I welcome Ryan Foley of Furian Strength. Greetings and welcome, Ryan. How are you? I seem to have lost uh, Ryan. Uh, we're having a technical difficulty. So uh, let's see if uh, Ryan calls uh, back in. Um, in the interim, I will tell you more about uh, our event and about uh, physical fitness generally. Let me type in my computer here. And uh, he is back. Greetings and welcome, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing excellent, sir. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I loved your idea that you posted uh, on uh, Facebook. Um, and uh, the more I thought about it, the more sense it made. So I'm just going to hand the sector over to you and uh, you could start. Good, good. Uh, well, so uh, for your listeners who may not be familiar with me, uh, I, I have been uh, attempting to improve myself uh, physically through bodybuilding for going on uh, the last five years. Uh, like uh, many people, I, I did participate in sports back when I was in high school, uh, but then I shifted to more of employment as opposed to, as opposed to athletics. And so I had a, a somewhat of a a little bit of a base going in. So I wasn't going in completely blind whenever I decided it was time for me to make a change in order to, to make an improvement in my life. 
And so uh-huh. uh, since we've been since we've been going through these uh, these dialogues that we've been having, uh, I always try to look uh, with uh, hopefully. Uh, you know, a few weeks in advance, so that way I can kind of decide what I would like to talk about. And so there were there were two incidences that happened uh, here within the last couple of weeks that kind of uh, crystallized my focus to, to give me a, a good uh, uh, concept of what we need to talk about. And so uh, the, the biggest thing that I want to talk about is is getting started because sometimes that is just the hardest thing. Uh, it's it's easy to go on a variety of websites that are out there. And, and I certainly do advocate that if, if you're looking for something, uh, to, for an idea to help you get started. We live in this incredible information age where there's so much information out there. But unfortunately, sometimes that, that – Are you still there? Okay. Are you back? Okay. This happens. Welcome to the Wild West of live uh, uh, e-radio. Let's uh, try this here. Are you back? Yes, I, I believe I am. I'm so sorry. I, I'm not certain what the technical difficulties are this, this evening. That's okay. This is the Wild West of uh, online <laughs> entertainment. So uh, these things okay. happen well, so before we got disconnected, one of the things that, uh, that uh, came to my attention, so uh, I work out in a fairly small gym. Uh, I'm fairly lucky in that uh, for the most part uh, in the mornings, because I try to go in as early as possible before work uh, in order to lift. And for the most part, I almost have, uh, sometimes I'll have the gym completely to myself, so I don't have to, to sit and, and wait uh, in order to get on, on a machine. But, uh, but then also my gym is unfortunately closed on holidays. So here uh, we experienced Labor Day uh, here just a, a couple of weeks ago. And so I didn't have a, a gym to work out in uh, on Monday. So I decided to go to the gym with my son where he has a membership. And uh, unfortunately, there, there were a few individuals uh, that made me feel extremely self-conscious uh, ab- about my own body and my own fitness. And, and keep in mind, this is something that I've been doing for for five years. I don't feel like I'm a slouch in the gym department, but mm-hmm. sometimes you do need that reminder to come along and, and say, well, it's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not as big and as strong as, as that guy. And I think that that's kind of a negative stereotype that a lot of people really fall into that you have to be extremely conscious about is that the only person that you're really competing against is yourself. It's very hard for you to learn uh, you know, is, uh, what, how long this person has been working out, what their genetics are, what their diet is, what their job is. And these are all contributing factors. And so when you go through and you start comparing yourself to other people, inevitably you're going to feel like you're going to fall short. And so, uh, but even though, so even though I've been doing this for five years, still going in and, and comparing myself just instinctively to those other guys, I, I kind of started to feel a little down on myself. I'm like, well, you know, because my shoulders aren't, you know, as as well developed as theirs. And I think this is this is a negative trap that we get into. Yes. We so do. back when I was back when I was in high school, I I worked at a grocery store, and I did a variety of jobs at at that store. But one of the things that they did is they brought me in uh, in the checkout stand uh, whenever things would get kind of uh, hectic, and and uh, so they they would bring me in as as kind of a backup checker. And so my goal the whole time 
was to get people out of the grocery store as quickly as possible, uh, just because I knew that the lines were always going to form. And so I wasn't there to chit-chat. I was there to get you out uh, uh-huh. as, as a convenience to you. So as a result, I never paid attention to what people were buying. I was just looking for that barcode so I could scan it and, and get, the, get them through the order as quickly as possible. So even though I know this is how probably the majority of checkers think, they're not analyzing the stuff that you're buying, still uh, I would go to Walmart and I would buy the things that I would need, you know, the, the, the weight belt, the gloves, the protein powders, the things like that. And I had this self-conscious fear that they were judging me based upon what I was buying. Like, oh, yeah, like this guy's really going to need those workout gloves. Even though I knew that that was a fear in my own mind that probably they never even considered because they were just trying to check me out as as quickly as as they could. And so then I I, I do spend quite a bit of time on social media. I will freely admit that. And Mm -hmm. I found myself I found myself gravitating towards Reddit. And I and I do I do like Reddit because it's. Uh, it's more of an anonymous community where people can go through and, and they can admit things without fear of judgment. Now, there's there's not as much of the personal uh, interconnectivity that you have with Reddit because then it's just a screen name and it can be anything. But when people uh-huh. have that when people have that benefit of anonymity, they can be extremely honest. And so I was going through and I was just reading just really horror stories from these people who were, you know, they were admitting their faults and they were saying, you know, I got a membership at the gym and uh, I couldn't even get out of the car because they were so afraid of, of going into the gym. Uh, You know, and, and then there was one, well, I made it inside, but then, you know, I heard all the weights banging and all that sort of stuff. And I just, I turned around and left. Or people couldn't imagine, or they, they were feeling this, this tremendous amount of fear uh, for having to change in the locker room, you know, because they, they didn't want people to see them. And so that's when I realized, okay, so these fears that people have uh, pretty much are, are generally, I think they're universal. And it's a thing where you have to, to learn somehow to conquer that fear in some way in order to improve your progress. And mm-hmm. so one of the things, that, that I think everyone uh, fails to realize because they think whenever they first walk in, if they don't have the seven foot shoulders that narrow down to the four inch jockey shorts, that they're just not even supposed to be there because, Oh no, it's, I don't look like they do. Well, everyone starts somewhere. And so the, the, the best quote I ever read or one of the best quotes that I ever read on the internet was, Someone made the, the comment of it, and I'll have to paraphrase it, but it's making fun of an obese person because they're going to the gym is like making fun of a homeless person at a job fair. You know, they're exactly where they need to be. And I think everyone that's gone through those struggles, they're more likely to, to offer you a helping hand and to offer you a bit of advice because they want you to be able to succeed, especially if they've struggled with their weight and things like that. I think they're more apt. To, to help you out and to, to offer that bit of a helping hand. But I think so there's so many people out there that are afraid to go through and, and take that next step. And so if you're listening to this and you are afraid of stepping into the gym and the, the fear is universal, but I do yes. want to assure you that everyone that's in there, they are so focused on themselves and their own improvement that they're not really paying attention 
to you because we're all so busy focused on ourselves. Now, I, I will say that there there's a certain uh, – Oh, just a, a general blinder that I wear. Okay, so whenever I work out, I wear these big, giant, over-the-ear headphones because I don't want people to talk to me. And it's it's not because I'm antisocial. Once my workout is done, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk with people. But when I'm in that moment, I don't want to lose that focus that I have. So so I wear these big, giant headphones that make me that scream, go away. Uh, but so I'll I'll go in there and I'll do my own thing. And you don't really pay attention to the other people that are in there until you see them doing something that could potentially get them hurt. Uh, if yeah. they're using a piece of, of equipment that's, you know, just uh, that's, it's going to injure them. Well, then the blinders kind of come off and you just want to go, hey, you might want to consider, you know, doing something like this uh, just to avoid injury. That's the main thing. So, um so I think for a lot of those people that maybe, and so it seems kind of to simple to me, looking back on it with this five-year history of, of doing everything that I've been doing, uh, but for some people, they need to be told, you know, this, what I think is a pretty valuable piece of advice in that you have to be able to overcome those fears and, and step through that threshold. And sometimes it, it takes a, a person coming along going, hey, no one's paying attention. No one cares. They're all too focused on their own stuff. So just focus on you and you'll be absolutely fine. That, that's very true. And it applies to uh, life beyond the gym as well. Uh, I remember when this uh, podcast, which I've done hundreds of them now, was an idea inside my head. And I had no idea what to do because uh, I had done podcasts in Pennsylvania years ago, but things were very different. Back then I had engineers and I had you know people doing all sorts of things, and I was kind of do-it-yourself. And uh, I was concerned about, you know, how am I going to do it? And uh, the, the trick is, I think, to just proceed. Um, now with writing, too, uh, we've known each other uh, since uh, uh, before I started submitting to anthologies, and now I've been published in 14 anthologies, you know, so uh, as long as you keep doing it and, you know, not listen to the internal voices and sometimes the external voices, because not everyone is kind, uh, but if you learn to just, uh, okay, fine, thank you, uh, and just keep moving forward, before you know it, uh, you um, get good at whatever it is you're doing. Plus, uh, to know that until you get good, you're going to suck, and just accept that. That's uh, that's how you learn. You learn by practicing. You learn by making mistakes. And I found that a lot of people, uh, because they're not perfect the first time they attempt something, uh, they won't attempt it, or at least in front of other people. Exactly. And yeah. And yes, you're absolutely right. And now I will admit. Uh, I, I do have an ego as much as I try to, to push that down. Uh, I, I do still have an ego and I don't want to uh, look foolish, uh, especially in a, somewhere like the gym. So it is kind of the thing where if I find a new exercise, I may wait until, you know, it's, I have that moment where it's just me in the gym so I can look uh-huh. like that awkward newborn giraffe that's stumbling around trying to figure <laughs> out, you know, how, how does this actually work? Uh, but then, so yeah, so you start very slow uh, and also with a very low amount of weight. Uh, and so then you go through and you start teaching your body, hey, I know we've never done this before, but this is what I want you to do. And it's going to take you know a while for your body to figure out what it is exactly that you want it to do. And then as it begins to understand and you start to work those muscles in a way that you haven't before, 
then it's like, oh, okay, yeah, we kind of get what he's going for here. All right, boys, all together, you know, and, and then you'll start to see that those gains will begin to in, improve. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's that fear of getting started, and I think you're absolutely right, and, and you're, you're also correct in that uh, what you do need to keep moving forward, but just, just keep doing it. Just keep doing mm-hmm. it, and, uh, and you, you will start to find success. Uh, but, yeah, but that applies not only to the gym, but it applies to everything in life. And so, yeah, it, I mean, I knew from the beginning, you know, the, the first stuff that I wrote uh, way back in the day, if I looked back at it now, I'd go, oh, man, what was I thinking? This, you know, it's, but then it's just like training a muscle. So whether you're, whether you're working out in the gym or whether you're working those creative muscles when it comes to writing or painting or drawing, uh, my son is actually, so my son is a much better artist than I ever was. And uh, he's kept a fairly complete record of all the different drawings that he's done over the years. And you can, when you lay those drawings out year by year, you can see the progression that he has done. And, and bodybuilding is the same way. Exercising is the same way. And so it may only be these little incremental improvements that maybe only you can see. But as long as you're going through and continuing to put in the work, you will find success. I guarantee it. If you can go through and continue to to maintain, uh, yeah, you will start to see improvements. But sometimes it's just that first step that is that is really the hardest. But if you can work through that fear and realize no one's paying attention to you, uh, and then just flat out asking for help if you need it, I think that's right. another thing that a lot of people are afraid to do. They're afraid to ask for help. Yes, they think they'll look foolish or ignorant if uh, they ask for help, but uh, um, we can't know everything. And uh, again, that's part of learning too. You know, if you get lost, ask for directions. Right. And I think it's, and I know we've talked about this in the past, but I I feel it it bears repeating. I think when most people decide they're going to get into an exercise program, uh, they immediately, they they consider the, the physical improvements, which obviously are very important. And uh, my goal has consistently been to be able to do this for as long as I can. And then by doing this, it will, it will allow me to do it longer. But then there's also, there, there are the mental improvements that happen that come from studying yeah. and from doing your research. And so I think that's good. But then I also think that there's, there's an emotional improvement that happens in there as well. And so there was, uh, there was just a moment uh, this morning where I was going through and I was attempting some exercises that, that I had not done before. And uh, I had stacked on, you know, a, a pretty, uh, a decent amount of weight, uh, what I felt was a decent amount of weight for me. And whenever you go through and you lift a, a considerable amount of weight for a considerable amount of time, I do think that there is this, uh, it, it's difficult to describe. I don't even know what you would describe it as. But there's, there's an awakening within you of this primal warrior that I think in yeah. far too many of our life is just is dormant. And this is an opportunity for us to come through and kind of awaken that, that true self. It, it reminds you of who you are. But in order to do that, you have to push yourself to that limit to say, I don't think I can lift this one more time. But you know what? I'm going to try. And I want to see if I can. And that sense of accomplishment that you get Whenever you achieve it, there, I don't know if it's the flood of adrenaline or I don't know if it's the chemicals that are being released in your brain, but you just you feel very good 
about yourself. And so whenever you achieve that, then all the, the nine to five that I have to go into after my workout is over, that's all fairly easy by comparison. Right. And so, so you work really hard in the morning and then, uh, then you can coast throughout the day and, and feel good about yourself. And so I think that's one of the things it's, um, so I'm not a, a big advocate of, well, it's uh, okay. So point blank, I hate cigarettes. Uh, I absolutely hate them. And so it's, and mainly it's not because of the emphysema and the lung disease and stuff like that. It's just uh, uh, quite frankly, it makes a person smell terrible. Uh, there's okay. no amount of, of cologne or perfume that they can put on to cover up that smell. Uh, and so I know it's kind of a, a, a weird association here, but so it's like, I don't care if you smoke because it's going to destroy your lungs. I don't, I don't want you to smoke because it stinks. Uh, okay. And so it's, so I kind of want to go through and advocate this physical uh, a program for other people. And it's not, it's not because of it's going to make you slender or it's going to make you lose weight. I mean, and don't get me wrong, those are great. And if you are, if you're able to achieve that, that's fantastic. But a lot of people will start an exercise program and maybe they don't see the pounds drop off like other people do. And so if you're basing it strictly on that, it's easy to consider yourself a failure. I think my weight has stayed consistent over the last year. And now, granted, I admit I self-sabotage it with, uh, with, with my diet, and I, I know that, but I want to be able to enjoy my life as well. But as much as I enjoy the physical improvements that I've, go, that I've gone through, I think the emotional improvements are actually stronger than the physical improvements, if, if that makes sense. I mean, it's oh, – that, uh, that makes there's a lot some, sense, but you've made a lot of physical improvements too. I've been looking at your photographs, and you know, I don't think anybody looking at you now can uh, say this guy's not a bodybuilder because <laughs> you look well, like a bodybuilder. Thank you, and, and I do appreciate that. It's just, the, the, I think the problem that we come across is that uh, it's, if we can go into Star Trek for just a little bit, you know, there's the sure. – the infinite diversity and infinite combinations or, or there's whenever you have a timeline split. So you go through and you're going to go down this path and somewhere out there is an alternate reality where I decided, eh, I'm okay. I don't need those improvements. And I don't step into the gym on in June of, of 2014. And so as a result, I don't go through the physical transformation. And so there's another version of me out there on a metaphysical plane somewhere that, that doesn't go through the improvements. And for all I know, that person has a heart attack at 47, you know, it's, it's so it's, it's weird this, you know, the, the possible timelines that are out there. So it's sometimes it's hard for us to see the improvements unless we have that counterbalance to say, well, this is what I could have become. If I wouldn't have gone on this path, you know, I, I could have gone down here and things could have been much worse for me. But I think as, as much as the physical improvement that is there, I think it's the emotional improvement that I'm a, I'm a bigger advocate for. And I think if people were to go through and, and, and start on this journey, they're going to see that as well. So when I, when I advocate for someone, you know, hey, if you want to train with me, I'm more than happy. Yeah, come on up and, and we'll lift some weights. But it's not about you know, achieving 4% body fat. That's not what I'm looking for. I want you to be able to push yourself to know what you're capable of and say, I can't lift it. It's too heavy. And then you find yourself not only, you know, beating that record when you said that you couldn't, but going beyond it and then beyond it even more. I think the, the emotional improvement that you receive from that 
is is worth it, it's it's worth ten times what you're getting as far as the the improvements physically. Oh, I agree with you. The the uh, internal changes are much more dramatic and much more um, invisible, uh, uh, kind of like at a glance. But uh, the longer you spend time with the person who's undergone this transformation, the more you know that just like their body is transforming, their inner self is transforming as well. And I, and I think those people, as as strange as it sounds, through that pain, through that struggle. I think one of the things that you that that you become is more compassionate. I think yeah. you're more likely to reach your hand back and say, "Hey, look, uh, you know, do this." So it's it's not me coming along and going, "Well, I did this, and look at me, I'm so big and strong." It's more along the lines of, "Hey, I wish someone would have told me this." five years ago, yeah. you know, to explain the difference between, you know, the, the short head stimulation and the long head stimulation uh, of your biceps and, and, and alternating between the two in order to build the baseball and to build the shelf that the baseball sits on. And so if you explain it in such a way that they understand it, and so because I think whenever one gets started, they find a program on the Internet uh, and they say, okay, well, I'm going to go through and I'm going to do this basic program but they don't understand why to do it. And then once you start getting into the research and you understand if you do this, it generates these results, and then you custom tailor your program for what you're attempting to achieve, that's where the, the mental improvements come in because you got to go through and you got to study and you got to do your work. Uh, you know, but so uh, then you're more likely to reach back and go, hey, man, I've, I've seen that person walk in that's nervous and scared, and, and they, but at the same time, they maybe lift a little too much weight because they don't want to seem like, oh, I don't want to work out with the five-pound dumbbells because everyone's going to make fun of me because I'm, you know, because I'm weaker than everyone else. But, no, it's, it's more about that surgical form and building up, from the, building up a solid base. We're not just building the muscles. You're building the tendons. You're preparing them for everything that you need to do. So it's okay. Drop the weight. You don't have to come in all macho and be like, I'm going to sling these dumbbells around. No, no, no. I'd rather you lift the dumbbells and learn what you need to do. And then as a result, you're going to start to see that improvement. And then that's when you're going to reach back for those other people and offer the advice. Not because it's like, oh, I know everything. It's like, man, I wish someone would have told me these tricks whenever I was first getting started. And unfortunately, we're running out of time for today, but I'm seeing your evolution as a fitness expert, uh, too. Uh, I can see a tremendous difference in when we first started talking about this and the, and the confidence and the power you're currently uh, uh, giving off as you uh, talk about uh, these things. So that, that's an honor to watch. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the kind words. I really do. Uh, I'm looking forward to our next conversation. And uh, I will be contacting you between now and then because uh, I think I can finally free part of my mind and my time for uh, the creative project we talked about a long time ago. Okay, that sounds fantastic. Be well, Ryan. Have an awesome day. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. And thanks for being on. Um, we're going to listen to Bump Punch Over Susie Ball, and then we'll be back with Ron Carson.
part of our show and uh, our first segment is Ron Carson's Coliseum. Ron is having difficulty connecting tonight so I'm going to play a song, uh, Brand Kadorian's King of Dreams and then we'll work on getting Ron Carson to use quickly as possible. during 
Greetings and welcome back to Voice of Olympus. I'm Hercules Invictus, and now we move into the second half of our show with Mythic Inspiration, starting with Ron Carson's Coliseum. Greetings and welcome to your Coliseum, Ron. How are you today? I'm doing incredibly awesome. How are you? Uh, it's been a long day. It's been, uh, you know, Mondays uh, are usually very, very uh, lengthy. And like I said, uh, we're I'm working on some projects on the side here at the radio station. So it's, you know, turning out to be a marathon day, which is all good. But, you know, after I uh, finish up with uh, my review of our Peplum movie and group, uh, it's time to call it a day. <laughs> Well, good. I'm, I'm glad you're ending your, your day with us. And uh, we have some exciting uh, um, peplum and historical epics uh, to look at and to listen to today. So tell us about your movie, the historical epic, Constantine and the Cross. Well, I picked the uh, movie for two reasons, because in homage to your father, also my mm-hmm. uncle and my godfather, who was named Constantine. Yes. And this coming Saturday, the 14th, is the feast day of the cross in the Eastern Orthodox uh, Church. So um, two excellent reasons why we should focus on this couple of movie. So tell us about this movie. It's been a very long time since I've seen it. Well, you know, it's uh, probably one of the most memorable movies depicting the life and times of the Emperor Constantine, who was the first to legalize and adopt Christianity back in the early 4th century. And uh-huh. it's uh, a story that takes place during the dominate period of the Roman Empire in the beginning of his reign, which was divided amongst four emperors with two in the west and two in the east. And as you know, in 303 AD, Constantine became the emperor of Gaul. And uh, also, his reign lasted for over 30 years as well. Yes. Oh, another footnote, uh, another uh, another uh, salute is to your son, Constantine, too. Yes, that is a very common name, as is Eleni, the name of uh, Constantine's mother, uh, who was also canonized as a saint in the Greek Orthodox tradition. That is the name of my mom, too. And, uh, yeah. You know, that's another reason why I actually picked this movie, because it does have a lot of, uh, you know, family overtones to it, and... Also, with the Feast Day of the Cross coming up on Saturday, it's just appropriate to discuss uh, a little bit of this movie. Now, the title role was played by a marvelous actor by the name of Cornell Wilde, who uh, did not only do Peplum movies, but was very versatile in a lot of drama and a lot of uh, adventure-type films. You probably remember the name. Excuse me. Excuse me. And... um, And I remember we did used to see this movie uh, when we were watching the Sword and Sandal uh, films on Channel 9 in the Million Dollar Movie. I apologize. My voice, it's been a long day. I've been talking too much over here. (laughs) You're a DJ so and a radio personality, so you talk all the time. Yes, but laryngitis is not my best friend. You know what I mean? No. But um, as you know, when he did reign, he took full control of the Roman Empire and also went to war with the Franks and the Alamanni uh, towards the uh, beginning of his reign in uh-huh. 306 A.D. 
And prior to these battles, Constantine had a revelation that told his army that all Christians are allowed to worship one God. So it was a biblical epic film which shows the defeat of the Roman army as, of course, led by Constantine, when did his procession at the Temple of Jupiter, Capitolinus, Capitolinus as mm-hmm. the sacrifice was usually offered to the Romans, and he removed the Praetorian and Imperial horse guards and canceled all legislation passed under his uh, archenemy Maxentus. And uh, a very, very brilliant Italian actor portrayed that role in the Peplum movie. His name was Massimo Serrato. And, of course, Belinda Lee was Fausta, who was Constantine's, uh, you know, love interest in the movie. Uh, it was directed by another fellow Italian, Leonello Di Felice. As you know, um, Rome was a very, very big uh, site when it came to these Peplum movies. And they always shot on location, which was very interesting because they didn't do this in the back of a Hollywood set. They actually did go overseas to uh, pretty much um, film these epic movies. And uh, that added a lot of uh, light, in my opinion, the location, because of the fact that you do see the actual terrain, so to speak. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. And I think that added a lot of uh, excitement to when you were watching the film. Now, i got to warn people also that it is a very graphic picture, too. There are some scenes, you know, from the early 60s that were considered pretty graphic, uh, you know, preferably the fighting scenes, if you remember. You know, they yeah. they did, you know, they did chop up a lot of the uh, gore on uh, television, of course, because of the fact that, they, you know, they had to edit all the, uh, you know, really uh, harsh parts of the uh, of the film. But um, it's still, if you ever saw it on video or uh, DVD or Blu-ray, you get to see the whole bowl of wax on this. And uh, there are some scenes that are a little bit uh, intense to watch, because especially the battle scenes. But that's yes, a little word of warning in case people want to revisit this particular picture. But um, it's a very entertaining movie. It's a very, very action-packed movie. Um you know, like I said, there are a lot of family overtones for us in general, particularly re- pertaining to the uh, title character and the cross. As um, I told you earlier, you know, in the Eastern Orthodox faith, September 14th is the uh, feast day of the cross, as they call it in Greek. Mm-hmm. It's like the rising of the cross. It's like when they resurrected the cross that actually uh, pretty much had Jesus Christ on it before he uh, passed away and before he was resurrected. So, um, like I said, there is quite a religious blend between both uh, parallels to the movie in more ways than one. Of course, if you know, the uh, New Rome turned out to be the city of Constantinople, which not exactly was in Rome. It was in Asia Minor, and in to this day, day I'm sorry? In modern-day Turkey. In modern-day Turkey, that is correct. But in the old days, it was Asia Minor, and 
the majority of the population in Constantinople was mainly Greek until yes. the Turkish people uh, pretty much uh, took over that part of the uh, area and called it their own down the road. So, But to this day, there's still a lot of the old Byzantine churches and uh, you can see a lot of the old uh, historical aspects of Constantinople from his reign from the old days. So it, it, it does make for an interesting pilgrimage because I know some of my Greek uh, cousins did go out to Constantinople to see this for themselves. Yes, so there was a church there, Hagia Sophia. That is uh, correct, which, is which still stands. Which, yes. That's the St. Sophia, that's the Greek name for wisdom, and uh, the, the church still stands to this day. And uh, a lot of people do flock over to, uh, you know, light a candle or say a prayer and uh, pretty much uh, encounter some of the old Byzantine Empire, which is what it used to be called after or before the uh, Turkish takeover. So, But uh, it's, a, it's a very, very well-spirited movie, and I do recommend you revisit it for the main reason that it has a lot of historical connotations and eventually um, it was a well-acted movie also. Cornell Wilde was just absolutely terrific in the title role of Constantine and by all means, you know, if you are inclined, you should also add it to your Peplum connection, you know, Peplum collection. I I may actually have a copy in my Peplum collection. I will have to uh, check. Uh, as you know, mm-hmm. last time you were here, I'm, I'm sorting through all that, and I started putting all the uh, biblical and Byzantine and Roman epics uh, on one side, and then all the mythological and ancient Greek uh, epics on mm-hmm. the other. So I'm still in the mm-hmm. process of sorting through them. So I might actually have Well, if stack. I know you, Xavier, you know, being that uh, this movie is a namesake to your father and your son, you know, that's mm-hmm. definitely... Uh, one that you what definitely fun. have in your collection for sure. But, uh, you know, I, uh, like I said, uh, your father was near and dear to all of us. And uh, he was also not only my uncle, but my godfather as well. And it was a very nice way to pay homage to him in uh, selecting this particular movie for this review this week. I, I'm sure he's uh, greatly honored and uh, and grateful. Um, oh, now, the Padre he, always. He always was. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that. Come on. And uh, I mean, you, uh, for your group today, Peplum TV, tell us a little bit about that. I I will admit Peplum that... Peplum uh, TV is a very, inter- yeah, it's a very interesting group on Facebook. I know that you and I are members of that particular page, and so are uh-huh. our brothers from overseas, Nick Whale and Steve Smith, of course, uh-huh. and, you know, they're pretty much wherever wherever they are, we are, I guess, too, <laughs> <laughs> in this particular uh, genre, but it's a very, very interesting page, because it's all about, it's all about posts, it's not about commentary, you know? It's uh-huh. not about, uh, you know, comments. It's uh, it's pretty much posters and stills of some of your favorite peplum moments in life, in life, 
and it, and I'm scrolling through the uh, page right now, as a matter of fact, and as I'm, I'm taking a look at uh, actually a couple of posts about Conan the Barbarian, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Behind-the-scenes pictures uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, who played the title role, and William Smith and Franco Columbu. And um, the uh, one of the stars passed away recently at the age of 78. We're talking about Franco right now. I guess he just passed on. Yes, he recently and, passed on. Oh, you did, you, did heard, you did hear about that, okay? Yes. Excellent. Uh, I mean, not not excellent to the fact that we lost this uh, fantastic actor, but that you actually noticed it over here. Because I know yeah, how much of a big Conan the Barbarian fan you are. Yeah, we posted a little uh, tribute on the day that he passed. Uh... But, you know, it's not basically, you know, like the Peplum Paradise or the Passion de Peplum. This is mainly this is mainly a picture page. A picture, you know, of stills and posters and memorabilia. And you know, if you're a Peplum fan, you definitely should join up on Peplum T V because I think it's a very, very uh unique and uh what do you call it? Very, very um Nice compilation of everything <clears throat> regarding the sword and sandal genre, and you'll find it very entertaining. So I definitely recommend you hit a like on this and uh, you revisit some of your favorite moments in this golden age of cinema. So what we're finding okay. in our journey together here is that if you're a fan of the uh, old uh, uh, peplums, be they mythical or historic, uh, that there is uh, plenty on the Facebook alone uh, to keep you uh, busy and happy in your hobby. Definitely, definitely, by all means, by all means. But uh, Peplum TV is a very, very uh, visual page, and it's a nice way of recollecting and bringing back some of the uh, golden moments of this uh, particular uh, genre of pictures that you know, you and I are so fond of and everybody else worldwide as well. So, um, but, uh, I, um, I know you were a big Conan the Barbarian fan also. And, oh, uh, yeah. I, I just, I, still am. I just uh, was wondering if you did see that one of its co-stars left us recently. So, uh, and, and I guess you were aware of that. Arnold Schwarzenegger, they were bodybuilders together. And in the first uh, Conan film, he played a pick, the wild, savage uh, warrior uh, that lived to the west of uh, Samaria, where Conan lived. And he led Tulsa Dune and his band of uh, bandits into Conan's village, which resulted in the death of his uh, uh, father and mother in the beginning of his uh, travail. So, uh, yes, I love that movie a lot. In fact, uh, earlier today, I was... Uh, uh, reading uh, some uh, of the newer Conan comics. Uh, Conan switched back to Marvel, and uh, my son Constantine uh, got me a Funko Conan. Uh, it's like a Conan with a big head, like a cartoony Conan uh, recently, so yes. that's creeping uh, my uh, my bookshelf. Now, our journey today is, alas, uh, nearing its end. So how can folks follow you past this uh, podcast? You're a radio personality. Uh, you're very active uh, on the airwaves. Mm -hmm. uh, um, how can folks who wish to enter your world uh, do so? 
Oh, they can enter my world by uh, logging on to WSBS.com on the our website and hit the Listen Now icon, or if they have one of those smartphones or tablets or mobile phones, they can connect via the WSBS app and listen through their phones, and they can usually listen to my show every Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m., and on Saturday mornings after 7, and um, I also do an oldie show on uh, out in Connecticut, which uh, I was off last week, but uh, I'll be back again this uh, Sunday morning. They can go to wynyradio.com and listen to Jukebox Gold from 6 to 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. So uh, there you go. That's uh, the way... Uh, that's the way people can uh, access uh, my world, uh, which is, you know, in radio. And I pretty much enjoy being a uh, viable broadcaster and communicator. And uh, pretty much my mission on every radio show is to make people smile and make people happy and try to forget about the trials and tribulations that are going on in this world in this so-called 21st century. And uh, my philosophy is that if I did make somebody happy after one of my broadcasts, I'd completed my job. An admirable code, and you do it uh, well. Well, cousin, sagapo, and uh, I will see you later this week, and uh, I will talk to you very soon. Actually, next week, of... not this week. Next oh, week. next week. I'm in the process yeah, of Yeah, it'll be the 19th because uh, I'll be, I'll, I'm going to have the day off that day because there's a baseball game that's going to be uh, – you know, interfering with my shift. So uh, I'm just going to take the day off, and I'll see you on uh, the 19th. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. And uh, be well. Enjoy your journeys. Well, thank you very much, uh, Hercules. The feeling is mutual with you. I love you, Cuz, and, uh, you know, always thinking of your dear old dad, the Padre, uh, who is always in our hearts and will remain eternal and everlasting each and every day with us, uh, a very special, kind, and gentle man who uh, really made our lives very, very uh, bona fide and very, very productive. And I say it's not one day I don't think about uh, Uncle Gus because of the fact that he uh, truly was a gentleman's gentleman, and that's why I picked Constantine and the Cross for the uh, Peplum movie in honor of him as well, just the fact that, uh, you know, he still remains near and dear to all of us. Thank you very much for the tribute, and I, I'm sure that uh, he's aware of it. Uh, thank you, Cuz. Love you. Talk to you soon. All right. Love you, too. Kalinichta, everybody. Kalinichta. We're going to listen to Dave the Bards, Merlin and I, and then we'll be back with Mythic Gaming. Outside a storm gathers 
And welcome back to Voice of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus, and I am honored to announce Mythic Gaming with Tim Espy of Level One Games and Zach McAtee. Greetings and welcome, Tim and Zach. How are you? Greetings, good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing awesome, <laughs> and uh, I'm glad that we're all uh, here. And again, thank you for. Uh, what do you call it, Hercules and for uh, uh, Athena. That that was very awesome and thoughtful of you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I, I saw the uh, the Hercules game at my buddy's shop, so I was like, ah, I'm going to see him soon, so I figured I'd grab it. I wasn't sure if you had it yet, but, you know, why not? I, I, I might have it in a box, <laughs> but it's not handy. So I'll have to dig that out and dig out my uh, uh, Nintendo 64 and then my Nintendo DS and uh, – um, lose myself in it a while. Um, as I was telling you when we uh, met, the last time I played that, I got stuck behind a waterfall or something, and uh, uh, nothing I did could get me past uh, the waterfall. Uh, so I stopped playing it after after a while. 
But uh, yeah, I, I never played that one. I should have. Uh, I should have grabbed a copy too, but uh, but but I grabbed that one. They they were pretty popular in their day. Uh, the uh, Hercules, Young Hercules, uh, Xena, um, and uh, they had uh, an extensive toy line. They had a role playing game. They had. Uh, um, video games, and uh, they had a great idea about the video games. They, they had expansion packs that after you finish the video games, uh, you can expand uh, the territory, and uh, uh, you can also cross over between the Xena game, uh, the Xena fighting game, and the Hercules game. So for the, for the time, that was very uh, progressive, and I remember I was looking forward to it, and uh, alas, none of it happened past the initial games. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know about that. It sounds pretty uh, forward-thinking. And Zach, how are you? I'm doing well. Glad to be on. Uh, I'm glad that you're on uh, as well. So when I came by the store, a lot seems to be going on there. There were there were uh, a lot of people, and they were doing lots of things, and uh, the store seemed uh, more full of merchandise. So uh, uh, it's always a pleasant thing uh, coming by. Yeah, yeah, we we try to we try to stay busy. September, like this is the more slower time, but uh but uh, we we try to keep busy trying to do a bunch of different things. And I found out that some of the people who work in uh level 1 games are into Star Trek also. Oh yeah, that that was uh yeah, that, that was my buddy, um my buddy Ray. He he oh, okay. uh, he comes and hangs out, you know. Um but uh, but yeah, the Star Trek I never I never got into. I was more of a Star Wars kid growing up. Yeah, I like them both, but uh, people tend to prefer one or the other, and then you have uh, 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 squabbles over which is better and why. And even within a fandom, like I know in uh, uh, Star Trek, you have the Trekkers and the Trekkies, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> reasons uh, to uh, fight and uh, disagree and. Uh, uh, have a bad time instead of a good time. <laughs> so, what is new and exciting in uh, the world of uh, retro gaming? Um, what's new and exciting? Um, you know, I don't know, kind of, kind of the same thing going on right now. The uh, N64 and uh, Nintendo GameCube seems to be very, very popular at the moment, um, whereas the uh, NES and Super Nintendo kind of fell by the wayside uh-huh. a little bit. And I guess it's, you know, different generations, you know, hit the nostalgia trip for a little bit. So I think the uh, this generation is, you know, hitting the N64 and GameCube pretty hard. Yeah, I, I liked both systems. I had them both uh, once upon a time, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I still have the Nintendo uh, 64. Is there an emulator for them? Because I know I bought a uh, Super Nintendo and an NES emulator at one point, uh, and I, it plays all my old games. It doesn't play the Game Genie, uh, which is uh, you know, bad, considering how little time I have to game. Uh, but anyway, I enjoy playing like Magic Sword and uh, uh, games like that that I haven't uh, played in a very long time. Right. Yeah, there's um, there's been an N64 emulator floating around for years, but uh, but it's N64 is very hard to to emulate and get right. Um, I think the Dolphin 64 is the big one, and it's getting better over the years, but it's still not great. The, the best way is still just to play it on the uh, 
original console. I, I found, uh, when I was looking through a box, I found uh, um, a loose game. Um, I had uh, Hexen. I remember I used to like it, playing that on oh, Nintendo before. And uh, I, then I, I bought from Hexen. Yes. And I bought from you uh, a while back when we first uh, uh, discovered your store, uh, the, the Nintendo 64 Gauntlet. So I have that, and I'm looking forward to playing that as well. Yeah, that's one of my favorite two, Gauntlet Legends for N64. But yeah, Hex and I grew up playing on the PC, actually. Uh, I remember going to my mom's uh, when she worked for Verizon back in the day, and she had a computer with Duke Nukem and uh, Hexen on it. So I used to play Hexen all the time. I had a friend, Dennis, who used to play Duke Nukem all the time, so I used to watch him play whenever uh, we'd get uh, together. And how about in terms of role-playing anything hot uh coming out for role-playing well uh we're in talks right now because october is of course spooky spooky scary time uh Uh so most of the games i run are short one-off horror games in different systems so we're trying to maybe set up a a sort of after dark session where maybe towards the end of the evening we can play with dim snow lights kind of thing and play a horror game in celebration of Halloween and Samhain. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Uh, my wife and I got married on Halloween. We love Halloween. It's our favorite, it's our favorite holiday. <laughs> oh, that's so. awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, that sounds incredible. And, uh, there's all sorts of, uh, Halloween villages and, uh, other little props that you could pick up in uh, a lot of different places to, uh, to create an environment. And I've seen some really good, uh, like, uh, graveyard maps for miniatures uh, on Amazon. Uh, so you might be able to create something. I don't know if you use miniatures or not, but if you do, you might be able to cre- uh, create something very atmospheric. I've been getting into collecting and painting them, but I'm still kind of, like, new to the uh, the area. I have a mm-hmm. bit of a, a fine motor skills problem, so my hands shake very badly. So it's, uh, it's slow going, but... I'm uh, I'm slowly getting better. That that is good to hear. May you continue to uh, improve. Um, and how about card games? Anything uh, new and exciting in the world of card games? Oh yeah, there's um, th- th- we're gearing up for believe it or not another Magic the Gathering pre-release at the uh, towards the end of the month in September. Um, so this one is called Thrones of Eldraine, and it's uh, kind of like um, like fairy tale esque style stuff with you know elves and fairies and uh, one of the cards they actually just spoiled was um, uh, the uh, what is it called from Snow White the uh, the chariot that turns into a pumpkin at the end of the night right that's, yeah. that's Snow White right uh, Cinderella 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 oh, there yeah. you go <laughs> um, so th- there's two different cards one shows the um, the the chariot if you will or the horse carriage. And then the next card shows it with its wheels all falling apart and just a pumpkin in the middle. So it's a very fairy tale and and story driven uh, set. It looks uh, looks like it's going to be pretty fun. They had done a, a Greek mythology themed uh, um, magic set at one point. So at some point I have to like quest for it. But right now I I don't have the focus or the time to uh, to really yeah. do anything other than get it and have it sit in the box for a while. So uh, I'm holding off, but uh, that looked pretty good. I saw pictures of it online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sp- speaking of that, that is the next set that's coming out. We're going back. It's called Theros. 
is the plane yeah, that Theros. the gods were all on. Um, so we're going back to Theros in the next set, actually. Really? The new release is going to be Theros again? Uh, yeah, the one after this one coming up. So January, I believe, is the date-ish. Um, yeah, so. Is it compatible with the old Theros? Um, I'm not sure how the storyline is going to go. They haven't. All they did was announce the timeline for the next four sets. Um, so Theros is one. And I forget the name of the next one, but it's the subtitle is called Layer of Behemoth. So there's speculation wow. about like Godzilla and uh, Loch Ness monsters and stuff. So that that should be uh, that should be pretty cool too. Now, how does the storyline work uh, in these things? Because uh, um, I remember when Magic first came out, and a friend of mine had me uh, try it, um, and uh, um, it it was kind of like you tap into land, and then you can play certain cards, and you can cast certain spells, and uh, uh, that's the last time I really played it. I tried to get back into it with my son when he was young. Uh, but how would the story play out uh, in that? Like, did they add that so, to the card? They tell the story? Right. So so a lot of the backstory is in novels or stuff that they, you know, release supplementary. Um, okay. But on the cards, a lot of them have, it's called flavor text. And it'll be, you know, like a sentence or two sentences explaining you know what um like what is going on like little bits and pieces of the story like there's certain cards one's called the assassin's trophy and uh the picture is of a big looks like a big statue but it's a fallen god that you know somebody killed to take over the 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 guilds so the the cards tell stories if you really know what to look for but the main story comes from the supplementary stuff that you read in novels or comics and stuff I got it. Um, so you can actually uh, make like a D&D campaign around uh, the story, you know, based on the novel, because uh, role-playing games are pretty flexible. Yeah, they, they actually released uh, a couple recent, months oh. ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they uh, just released recently a D&D 5e supplement book that allows you to play in one of the recent planes from a recent set. Ravnica plane. Oh wow, that is awesome! Because that and then the, the, there's the, a new D and D book. Uh, there's a new D and D book coming out that takes place in Baldur's Gate. Actually, it comes out in a couple of days next week, I think. Mm-hmm. And this is the bol- the same Baldur's Gate that was in the computer games and the video games. And um, does it yep. pick up on storylines, or is it just the the uh, um, the location? I'm not sure. They didn't. I don't think they released uh, the, the the actual book isn't out yet, and I'm not sure how much info they released prior to the book coming out. So I don't think I want to spoil anything really. Um, okay. I forget the the subtitle of the name, you know, the subtext of it, but but I know that it's Baldur's Gate something something. I forget. Modifius and Monolith uh, uh, both have the Conan license. Uh, Monolith has it for board games, and Modifius has it for uh, role playing games. Uh, and they recently released uh, a uh, a book that uh, would allow you to merge the role-playing game and the board game so that you could bring your characters into the board game or your pieces into the role-playing game. So uh, I'm uh, uh, waiting to find out how that works out because that sounds very interesting. And, and again, just uh, gives you a lot more flexibility 
uh, like if you don't have a, a DM or you're not in the mood for uh, role playing, uh, and just continue your story that way. That kind of cross-platform interactivity is is really interesting. They yeah. uh, they I love when they they tie things together like that. I don't know how much you read, but Marvel actually has two Conan's uh, comic books running right now. Yeah, uh, yes. one of which is an overarching story, and the other one is short vignettes, each one self-contained. I've read a few here and there, and, and they all seem pretty good so far. Yes, I've, I've been reading that. I'm, I'm behind on the Conan ones, but I finished Belit and Valeria, which are under the Age of Conan uh, banner. And there was a one-shot that I got, and also um, they made Conan a Savage Avenger. Uh, not yeah. too sure how I feel about that. <laughs> but, uh, it, it's been uh, interesting so far, because like, he's definitely the most fun character in the book, just because uh-huh. he's juxtaposed in this universe he doesn't belong in. Like, he, he keeps interacting with Wolverine, and he assumes Wolverine is a dwarf, and he just keeps referring to him as this angry dwarf, and he keeps picking him up and using him as a weapon and stuff like that. So it, it's fun, but it's definitely a bit, like, goofy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Conan is something I discovered as a kid, and uh, Conan has been one of the constants in my life. You know, Conan's been around in uh, book, comic book, uh, graphic novel, uh a uh, toy, uh, video game, computer game, you know, some form or fashion uh, since I was 11 years old. So uh, not that I was always happy with what they did with Conan. Uh, my favorite run was uh, during part of the time at Marvel and then the early Dark Horse ones. And then Dark Horse lost its way and they uh, were publishing Emo Conan for a while. And I lost interest at that point. <laughs> so... Um, now, you know, now it's interesting what they're doing, but uh, and it's very well drawn, uh, but it's not the Conan I'm familiar with. So I'm trying to keep an open mind, only because I have a long history with uh, Conan. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I think uh, is it, it might be Savage Sword of Conan is the one that's the, the one-shots. I think that okay. one's better than the, the overarching story so far. So if you if you don't like the the big like campaign one or the Savage Avengers, I would give that one a try. They're all okay. really short, tight stories that uh, I think one of them stretched to two issues, but usually they all conclude at the end of one. And again, the art's fantastic. You know, they explore bits of his backstory. Sometimes it's just completely new elements, but they're they're usually just enough to like hit that taste that you want. You know? Right. Right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I've been uh, um, waiting for the modifious uh, modules coming out to, you know, when they're initially released, they're expensive, and then they slowly go down in price. Uh, so I wait till they're under $20, then I've been picking them up, um, the modifious ones. So uh, um, at some particular point in time, I guess uh, I'll have to get a group together and just uh, re-enter the Hyborian Age, because I really uh, I enjoy all of it, you know. Um, Red Sonia is part of Dynamite now, and they keep changing her around. So I haven't been able to, you know, to get accustomed to the character. So I'll just pick up a run here and there, graphic novel here and there, just to keep uh, uh, aware of what's happening. Uh, Dark Horse had two crossovers with Dynamite, so they put uh, Conan and Red Sonia back together again. I enjoyed both of those. Yeah, there was an interesting run recently where they they brought her. To the the modern day, I, I only uh-huh. got to read like the the first two. Um, I'm not sure if that's still running or not. 
Um, it's interesting. They were talking for all about doing an Amazon uh, a television series, but that's not on the table anymore. I haven't heard anything. Then they were going to do a bunch of movies uh, with Arnold, and they were going to make it very Game of Thrones and have Arnold be uh, King of Aquilonia, and then that kind of, uh, nobody's talking about that anymore. Um, and uh, uh, right now it's just the comic books and uh, in video games. There's supposed to be a big Conan, uh, King Conan game coming out for PlayStation 4 uh, sometime soon. I've seen trailers for it. So I haven't I haven't seen any trailers for that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure too much about it. Yeah, every now and then I search on uh, YouTube, so I typed in Conan game, and that that came up. Um, and uh, um, it, it, Conan was a king, and I, I don't know what the gameplay is. I really couldn't get into the. Uh, um, I have it, but the uh, uh, the Conan uh, building game. Uh, Conan Exiles, I think. Yes, yes, I could. I couldn't really. Uh, you know, get into it. So I, I have it. I, I played it a little bit and now it'll sit there for a while until I decide to play it again. Yeah. It seemed, uh, it seems like they pushed it out a little bit too quickly. I think the, the subsequent updates kind of helped it out a little bit, but it was popular okay. for a while. Now I, I've shared my passion for Conan the Barbarian. And, uh, if you could have any, um, series of entertainments uh, come out in like a multi-platform uh, uh, type of a product, what would it be for you? Cool. Uh, there, there's two There's two big ones. Uh, the ones that we discussed previously. Uh, Dead Space, a live-action Dead Space and uh, a okay. live-action Fallout would be, uh, would be amazing. Oh, that, I think they did. They make a board game. I think Fallout or Dead Space. I don't remember which one, but I I, I thought of you. I was uh, looking at the board games, and I saw a board game uh, for one of the games. One of those games. I think they made a Fallout game, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Next time I, I come across, I'll write down the information and uh, I'll convey it. Um, but that does, uh, like I used to combine, uh, my, uh, role-playing games with Talisman, which was a board game. I used to tweak the cards. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I did back in the day, you know, where we didn't have like these multiple crossover type of things. And how about you, Zach? I'm torn. Uh, there's two franchises I think it would work really well with. Uh, there's the Dark Souls storyline, which it's very similar to, uh, like uh, we were talking about earlier, how, the magic. Like you pick up pieces of lore here and there to like tell the story to yourself rather than mm-hmm. having it told to you. And so they've made a board game, which it's okay. It's a very – it's like a miniatures-heavy game. It, it, it's decent. You mostly get it for the cool figures. But uh, I <laughs> would really like to see some kind of interconnectivity with that. Or there's a series uh, called Hollow Knight. It's a, a platforming game that came out in the past few years. It's it's all like hand drawn animation. It's it's amazingly beautiful to look at. The music is classic orchestral score. It's very tight, very difficult, but they have this deep lore that very similarly you pick up as you go through the game and talk to NPCs and find these ancient relics. And I feel like that would be a really cool, unique world. It's it's this sort of end of the world situation where the only sentient beings are are bug people 
And okay. it, it's very interesting. I would highly recommend it if you enjoy platformers or very atmospheric games. Thank you. I saw a uh, a trailer recently for Outer Realms, I think it's called. Um, have you, do you guys know about that? Yeah, I'm super excited for that. That's made by uh, the same people that made Fallout 1 and 2, actually. Okay. The same uh, developers and stuff. Um, I'm super, super, super excited for that. I can't wait for that to come out. The trailer was very exciting, and it uh, it was very uh, much like uh, uh, the trailers and part of the movie. Uh, uh, there was like Marines against Bugs. I forget, uh, Starship Troopers. Uh, so it was very mm-hmm. reminiscent of that in the way that they were uh, uh, promoting this uh, location they were sending you to. Yeah, like I said, I'm super excited for that because the guys that made Fallout 1 and 2 are, are the ones making that game. When is it coming out? Oh, I'm not sure. I still think we got a few months for that one, maybe six months or so. Okay, so it's in the very near uh, future. I believe so, yeah. It's definitely within the year. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm going to uh, check out like some videos on the gameplay because uh, they might just have a great commercial. Uh, <laughs> <so>. Right. <laughs> I, I have to see how it uh, plays out and if it's the type of game that, that I would play. Um, our journey is coming to a close today, and I'd love for you guys to get your contact information out there. Uh, so, Tim, please tell us how people can enter your world and uh, how they can uh, uh, tap into all that Level 1 Games has to offer. Uh, yep, like like normal, it's uh, level1games.com, the number one. Uh, we're right on uh, Route 23 in Pompton Plains, so if you're driving down the highway, feel free to slap by and say hello. I'm usually here. Um, almost every day, except for a couple. Um, but yeah, level1games.com, that brings you to our Facebook and our Instagram and whatever events that we have going on will be posted there. Like I said, Magic's coming up. Uh, we have some Pokemon stuff coming up too, so we're going to be busy. Still going to be busy. And uh, it's always great seeing you there when I drop by, and you are usually there. I could count on one hand the times that uh, uh, you haven't been and all the time I've been coming to the store. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I, I cannot stress enough, it's an awesome place uh, to visit. Uh, uh, there's enough there to mesmerize you for long periods of time, and uh, all the staff is helpful and uh, uh, friendly and uh, fair uh, in terms of uh, trade-in. Uh, uh, this was the first place I brought uh, stuff in uh, for trade where uh, somebody actually sat and looked the stuff up and tested everything. So uh, that was very reassuring uh, uh, in buying from you. The fact that all this attention had gone into, you know, making sure that everything was okay. Yeah, we really appreciate that. We take uh, take a lot of pride and uh, and and time to make sure everything is good and everybody's happy. You know, we built a we built a really good, helpful community here where even the people that you know don't work here, you know, are 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 always helping out in one way or another. So so it's great. We really appreciate that. And I'm proud to be part of that community. And Zach, how about you? How can folks enter your world? I really don't have too much of an online presence at the moment, but uh, you can always go through Tim to ask questions about any RPGs. If you had any questions about how to play them or for me to run something, uh, and I might be setting up a RPG slash board game review blog sometime in the near future. I'm working out the kinks and seeing if it's quite worth it or not. But as soon as I do, I'll let you know the contact info for that. 
uh, that would be awesome. And uh, then when you come on the show, you could do one of your reviews, you know, and direct people to your website, to your blog. Yeah. Okay, gentlemen, thank you very much. Until next time we speak, joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Um, and thanks to all who joined us uh, from home today. Um, I'll just uh, close the way I opened. Uh, next uh, Tuesday, a week from tomorrow, is uh, the community night for the borough of Tenafly. I will be there representing the Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign and the Access for All Committee. Uh, there will be Charles Atwood. Uh, and uh, there will be plenty of uh, giveaways. So I hope to see you there. Uh, and again, thanks, guys. Uh, um, and until next time, be well. Always Thank you so much. You as Have well. a great night. Thanks. Good night. Back. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. <laughs>